feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Soft on crime, D.A. Alvin Bragg is feeling a lot of heat. He is getting a lot of heat from many different directions. And boy, are things stepping up because this to me is outrageous. That bodega worker, Jose Alba, is still dealing with a second-degree murder charge. He's under house arrest. Thank goodness he got out on bail But this was the New York bodega worker who we all saw in the video. He's defending himself. It's tough enough for those folks out there that are hardworking at the bodegas in New York. And now you got to deal with people robbing and stealing. And then you got to deal with somebody assaulting you, as we could plainly see in the video. And tonight, there is mounting pressure against Alvin Bragg, the DA, who decided to press charges. And now we are waiting to see... Will he do the absolute right thing and drop the charges? We're going to talk about that this next hour. And in just two or three minutes, we are going to have Fernando Mateo, my buddy, uh, who is head of the Bodega Association and is a great representative for them, has been speaking out on the Bodega workers' behalf and also met with the DA Alvin Bragg to tell us about his meeting. And also, by the way, later on in the show, Uh, We're going to take you over to Israel because President Biden is over in Israel. It's his first Mideast trip. His poll numbers are sinking quicker than the Titanic. Uh, They are plummeting and doing really, really poorly. And in the midst of this, he is over in Israel. And we're going to be talking with President Trump's, his former Mideast envoy, Jason Greenblatt, who helped negotiate the very famous Abraham Accords. He is one of the great Mideast envoys out there, and he's going to be joining us to talk about this historic visit, what he thinks could get accomplished, and how dangerous the situation is with Iran, and so much more. we got a great show tonight, and definitely want to take your calls and get your thoughts here on the Rita Cosby Show. First, let's talk about what's been going on with Jose Alba, because there's now increased movement For people to say, and we've seen it, it's all over the place now, people are saying, well, maybe bodega workers should carry weapons in defense. There's a new push that bodega workers need to do something to defend themselves. Partly, I think they got to defend themselves from Alvin Bragg because he seems to have more sympathy for the convicts. And in this case, it was an ex-con who was out on parole for assaulting a police officer. And so far, he hasn't charged The girlfriend who, in the videotape, you see her stabbing Jose Alba after, as he's trying to defend himself from her crazy boyfriend. It it really is stunning. To me, it is so, so stunning that we're in this situation. I called it the Twilight Zone because I have such sympathy for these guys and gals who are working at the bodegas, hardworking all hours of the day and night. You see it clear as day that he's trying to defuse the situation. And yet, to this moment right now, Alvin Bragg so far has not dropped the charges against Jose Alba, the bodega worker. And again, hasn't charged the girlfriend who was stabbing Jose Alba. 
Take a listen today because there were a number of politicians out there trying to increase the heat on Alvin Bragg. And one of them was New York Representative Vicky Palladino. Take a listen. This man is being hung out to try. We won't allow that to happen. Drop the damn charges. Free Jose Alba. And we go to Hokum. We go to Hokum. And we tell her to sign what it takes to get Alvin Bragg, that incompetent DA, out of office. Whoa. Passion is getting high. And also Frank Garcia who works with the Latino State Chamber of Commerce, he said he has had enough as well. The district attorney met with some of our counterparts, Mateo and some of the others, but they still were not clear on what is going to happen. The the woman that stabbed Jose Alba is still free, and it's not fair that Jose is in house arrest. He had a wound, did not take him to the hospital. It's just human decency. The criminals are able to get medical help, and our members that pay taxes cannot do that. It's unacceptable. It is completely unacceptable. And let's go back to that videotape, because the one that came out recently shows Jose Alba clearly trying to defuse the situation, saying, I don't want any problems here. I don't want any problems here. Take a listen. Here is that videotape where he is clearly trying to defuse this guy who comes behind the counter, angry at him, grabs his neck, shoves him, pushes him, all this stuff. And at first he said, listen, I do not want any problems. How can you say he's the instigator? Take a listen. Oh, Papa, look. Come on, come on. Papa. Come on, come out, Papa. What's up with you? I don't want a problem, Papa. Uh, What's wrong I with you? I know doing That's nothing wrong. Why you snatch anything out? Wow. So what is your message to Alvin Bragg tonight? And what do you make of the fact that this woman who was stabbing the bodega worker still is out? No charges there. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, joining us right now is Fernando Mateo. He is the head of the United Bodegas of America Association. And uh, Fernando, it's great to have you on the show, my friend. Rita, it's good to hear you, and really thank you so much for the support uh, WABC has given uh, Jose Alba and all bodegueros in the city. It truly, it's good. I can't express the gratitude that we have. Uh, Never thought that we'd get this kind of support from, uh, from, from all New Yorkers. Well, and there has been such an incredible outpouring, and you have always been such a great fighter for the bodega workers. And I know you feel so passionately. First, take us back, Fernando, about your thoughts on this case. Aren't you still astounded that there were ever charges to begin with? Here is this man. As you know, you know these bodega workers so well. They're working long hours. It's late at night. And suddenly, you know, this guy comes over. And clearly, if you see the video, it is so clear what happened. Are you stunned that the DA even pressed charges against him? People don't understand how hard these men and women and children work, especially most of these bodegas are owned by family members. Uh, It's mom and dad and the kids running the grocery stores, running the bodegas. And all they really have to defend themselves is a shield, a plastic shield that divides them from from the customer. 
the judge and the jury in this case are the videotapes that we have all seen. Everyone in America has seen what happened to Jose Alba. It's not a New York story. It's a national story. And there's no judge or jury in New York City that will find Jose Alba guilty. So when we met with uh, with D.A. Bragg, we expressed that to him. We told him, you know, what are you going to do? And he basically said, listen, I've got to finish my investigation. I, I get different pieces of evidence every single day. We're going to put it together and we're going to make a determination. So I said to him, that means that you can drop the charges against Jose Alba. And he says, yes, that is a possibility. So the thing here is, you know what? He knows that the right thing to do is to drop the charges. But I also believe that he doesn't want to be seen as if he's caved in to public pressure, to the public. You know, he doesn't want to be seen as the, the DA that caved in. So you know what? Let's give him enough time for him to dot the dots, cross the T's, and then drop the charges. Because ultimately, that's what has to happen. Why are you spending taxpayer dollars? Why are you punishing a man that all he did was really try to survive? All he was doing was defending his, himself from someone that was out there to kill him. You know, Jose Alba didn't leave his house that morning, you know, to, to kill someone. Jose Alba went to work to support his family. And this young man that was half his age went around the counter and started beating on an old man. The old man grabbed whatever he could to defend himself. And unfortunately, for, for Austin Simon, he was killed. It wasn't Jose's intention, and everyone has seen that. So I think the best thing that could have happened was that this bodega had video cameras, surveillance cameras, because if they did not, Jose Alba would be facing 20 to 30 years in jail. His entire life, he would have spent it in jail. But thank God those cameras those surveillance, those videos that everyone has seen is going to save his life. You know, it's a shame, um, Fernando, that it took the videotape um, because just like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm thank God for the videotape. But imagine if there was not the videotape. You're right. I mean, if, if they were going to charge him with the videotape, imagine what would have happened without the videotape. Yes, Rita, it's a very complex thing. But right now, the United Bodegas of America is is telling all bodegueros, make sure you have cameras. Because we have looters, robbers, shoplifters, assaulters, murderers coming into our bodegas every day. And what's most compelling is that Alvin Bragg said to me, Fernando, when I was a kid, my mother always said to me on my way home from school that if I felt I was in danger, to walk into the corner bodega because you will get a safe haven at that place. You know, so if he knows this, if he grew up in Harlem and he grew up in the hood like we all did, he knows the, uh, the, the pain and the agony that these people go through every single day. That is the biggest problem that we have. If he understands it, why hasn't he done something about it? But 
I'll tell you, he was very, very cordial. He was very polite, very wanting, willing, and able to listen to us, to listen to our problems, and help us find solutions. In fact, I asked him, are you opposed to bodega owners being armed, carrying firearms? And he said to me, no. If they want to, they, they should be able to get a gun to protect themselves. So, you know, on one hand, he's very liberal. On the other hand, he, he seems to care, but not enough to drop the charges of Jose Alba, who's going through a mental uh, breakdown at this particular moment. You know, it's interesting. Uh, a friend of mine who is a deputy DA, when he heard about this case, um, not in New York, but he's elsewhere, but he said if DA Bragg charged Jose Alba with second-degree murder and asked uh, also for a quarter of a million dollars bail, which, you know, we did at one point, but was, quote, just investigating, he committed prosecutorial misconduct. Isn't that interesting that, you know, that as a DA, you should sort of have a solid case and believe it is a solid case, not just sort of a fishing expedition when you charge someone. I'm sorry, I, I lost you there for a second. Yeah, no, what I was saying, what I was saying, Fernando, is that that a friend of mine who is a deputy DA made this comment because a lot of people around the country are going, why is this guy charging Jose Alba? And he said that a DA should never charge someone with a crime unless they have evidence to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. And that if a DA, FDA Bragg, charged Jose Alba, which he did, with second-degree murder and asked for a quarter of a million dollars bail, which you know he did, Fernando, but was, quote, only investigating, he may have committed prosecutorial misconduct. In other words, you shouldn't bring the charge unless you feel like you have a rock-solid case. You don't just bring a charge and then investigate later, you know? I mean, it's it's crazy. I know you're not an attorney, you know, but when you look at this, Fernando, it seems like it's lopsided. Well, Rita, I'll tell you one thing. There was a very big mistake made, and it's exactly what you said. D.A. Braggs made a mistake, and he locked up Jose Alba. And the bail was initially a half a million dollars. Then it was lowered to 250000 And then it was lowered again to 50000 And then now, and he was out with $5,000. So mistakes have been made. And I believe that he can't afford to make another mistake in this case. He has to do what he's got to do, and he cannot make a mistake. That is why we are telling him, take the time that you need, but drop the charges because it's what the country is asking for. If we did a survey right now, I guarantee you that 10 out of 10 people, 100 out of 100 people that look at this videotape will say Jose Alba was self, it was self-defense. He was standing his ground. You know, he did not go out to provoke these people. He went behind the counter and assaulted this man. You can't do that and get away with it. And you also hear, you know, you hear Fernando him saying, too, I don't want no problems. I mean, he also tried to diffuse the problem even after the guy came around the counter. So he I agree with you. I mean, my heart just goes out to Jose Alba so much. Um, Before I let you go, Fernando, and again, we're talking to Fernando Mateo. He's the head of the United Bodegas of America. Um, And Fernando, I want to ask you about uh, this woman, because the woman who you see stabbing Jose Alba in the video. She hasn't been charged yet. And even Mayor Adams is suggesting, 
you know, maybe she should be charged. And a lot of people are. I mean, and we understand the prosecutors are are telling people privately they think she was acting in self-defense. It's like, wait a minute. She may have been acting in self-defense, but not Jose Alba. Give me a break. Well, well, I'll tell you, I've got to give uh, a big thanks. This industry needs to thank Mayor Adams because he was the first one to come out and say that he supports hardworking New Yorkers. He supports our small businesses. And Jose Alba was was defending his, himself from from um, from Mr. Simon. Eric Adams came out firsthand and said that. And he also came out and said that this woman should be in jail. Why she should have been prosecuted. Because you could see her stabbing Jose Alba. In the meantime, she's not being charged. But Jose Alba's being charged because he stabbed uh, Austin Simon. Give me a break. There can't be two sides. There can't be. The same book can't have two different meanings it's got to have one meaning and that's why we're asking dj bragg please drop the charges end this fiasco end the circus we don't need this in new york city right now and lock up the criminals that are threatening the lives of so many others one last thing rita he has has maybe thousands of cases of people carrying illegal guns I asked him, how many cases do you have involving legitimate people who have carry permits, legitimate guns? And he said, none. So it's not the legal people that you've got to worry about. It's the criminals that are out there shooting, robbing, assaulting, and killing people on New York City streets. Yeah, 1,000%. Well, the bodega workers are lucky to have you, Fernando Mateo, speaking out on their behalf. Uh, Love talking to you again, my friend, and I'm glad that you're here on the show and keep fighting the great fight for Jose Alba. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Fernando Mateo, with the United Bodegas of America. And when we come back, we're going to take your calls, 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, it sounds like that woman was planning on taking the goods and run. It was potato chips. And that's what started this whole thing with Jose Alba. He said, I'm sick of getting ripped off. He was trying to do the right thing. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, the woman, she comes back with her ex-con boyfriend who starts pushing Jose Alba. You see it on the video. And now he is facing still right now, as you just heard from Fernando Mateo, he's still facing these second degree murder charges. And we are all hoping that D.A. Bragg drops them against this good, hardworking bodega worker. What do you think, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tom on line four. Tom, your thoughts about this? Hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. You know, my son works for NYPD and does warrants, but you were being kind and you say outrageous because this, this takes it to a whole new level. I mean, this poor guy gets stabbed from the girlfriend. Boyfriend comes back. He doesn't know what to expect. He stabs the guy, and, you know, Alvin Bench takes him and puts him in jail. Bail is ridiculous. I mean, this, what message are you sending to criminals? 
you can attack somebody, hurt somebody, you'll get out of jail. But if you're a regular citizen, you know, you're going to be convicted. You're going to be going to jail. You're going to be convicted of murder. I mean, this is ridiculous. I've never seen or heard anything like this in my life. I mean, it's just, it, it, it brings insane to a whole new level. And the mayor, you know, stuck up for the guy. But the governor doesn't want to remove this guy. If there's any time that he should be removed, this is it. I agree. I I agree. You know, Tom, I want to ask you real quick, too. Um, uh, And actually, do me a favor, because we have to go to a break, Tom, if you could. Um, Stay with us, if you don't mind. We're going to go to a quick break. But I want to hear your thoughts about the fact, with the law enforcement background you have, the fact that this woman who you brought up, uh, who started the whole thing and then was stabbing Jose Alba, that she has not been charged. I mean, it's, it's like salting the wound even more. We're going to continue with you right after the break. Stick with us, Tom, and everybody will continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the show because we get to honor our great men and women in law enforcement, we want to give a shout out to folks in Orlando, Florida, where a really powerful story happened. A missing 81-year-old man was found lying in a Florida retention pond, and the heart-wrenching moment of his rescue was caught on a deputy's body camera. It happened around 5 o'clock few days ago in Orange County, Florida, as Deputy Stephen Jones searched for a man who left his residence without medication. Now, the video shows Jones was searching the banks of a murky retention pond when he suddenly spotted a body on its side in the water. As the deputy neared, he reported seeing slight movement. Hey, buddy, come on, buddy, Jones was saying, grabbing the disoriented man by one arm and pulling him to the shore. Now, the deputy slips and falls then in the mud, but continues pulling the mumbling man with both hands. Once ashore, the deputy holds the man's hands and he reassures him that help is coming. He kept saying, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. I'm glad we found you. Thank goodness. Now, the man was taken to the hospital for treatment of injuries. He is expected, however, great news to recover. Investigators don't know how long he may have been in the water. What a scary situation. Now, Deputy Jones's body cam video of the rescue has been seen by literally tens of thousands of people and who have been sending comments and reactions all over social media and YouTube. This includes people who consider his actions to be extremely heroic, many of them saying as they watch the video that his tenderness and compassion brought them to tears. Now, to give you a little background about Deputy Jones, he joined the Sheriff's Department down there in 2017 and also currently serves as a school resource officer. How lucky that school is to have somebody great and compassionate and heroic like him. And bravo to him and all of our great men and women in blue. Well, we are talking about Jose Alba, the bodega worker who is still under house arrest, facing second degree murder charges after he was defending himself at that bodega recently. We all saw the video. And now there is a call for bodega workers to basically say they may want to be armed. There's sort of split opinion about that. But a lot of them are saying they need to do something to protect themselves. You know, after they saw what happened to Jose Alba, they feel like they're on their own. 
You know, they feel like it's bad enough how difficult the situation is with the skyrocketing crime across New York City, going up 37 percent overall crime in the city. And then you got this guy coming behind the counter in the middle of the night who's twice his size, half his age, pushing him and strangling him and all this. I mean, it's it's you see the videotape, as we were just saying, with the head of the bodegas group, Fernando Mateo. It's obvious. I mean, you see it. So I don't even understand why Bragg charged him to begin with. It's outrageous, and I hope the charges are dropped. And I also hope the future of Alvin Bragg is a short one as DA in New York City because it is outrageous. And meantime, the woman who was stabbing Alba, I mean, there is word that prosecutors in Bragg's office, because obviously they're like-minded like Bragg, that they believe it was self-defense for the woman But what, not for Alba? So she hasn't faced charges yet. It is upside down, and it is outrageous. And here is Frank Garcia. He's with the Latino State Chamber of Commerce. And Frank said this after meeting with Alvin Bragg today. Take a listen. Look, we understand the mayor's trying to do as much as he can, but it's a broken system, a system that was broken. And unfortunately, the Democrats have not sat down with us. The governor hasn't sat down with us, so the Republicans are. So we don't want to play political um, football with one of our members, but it's their fault. They're not listening to the Latino community, the other communities they listen to. So our, our members could have got killed. And then they'll come in and and go to the barrier. We don't want that. Our member could have got killed that day. And what they're doing is 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 not helping him. And I believe the mayor has been very good in allowing us to meet with the D.A. in one of his events and being able to give us a voice. But the governor has not sat down with us. I text the lieutenant governor and he's not even responding about this issue. So that's why you got the supermarket association, one of the largest Latino organizations, asking, saying that the district attorney has his 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 head in the sand. Wow, that is shocking. And by the way, I can't believe that the governor and people won't meet with the Latino Chamber of Commerce. I know Frank Garcia. They represent thousands upon thousands of groups. Are you kidding me? What? You're not even going to spend time and meet with them? That is outrageous. Well, Lee Zeldin, of course, the current congressman from New York who is running for governor against Kathy Hochul, he's the GOP nominee, he said he has a mission on day one, and he had that even before this bodega incident, and boy, has that been reinforced times 5,000. Take a listen what his objective would be his first day in office if he gets elected. This would be the first thing that I would do on day one as governor come January is to fire the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. The governor of the state of New York has the constitutional authority to remove a district attorney who refuses to enforce the law. Alvin Bragg has been doing this since day one when he first took office. All sorts of crimes across the board he's refusing to prosecute at all. Other crimes he's prosecuting as lesser offenses. If you, as a district attorney, want to change a law, you bring your case to the state capitol, you state your argument, you try to change the law. But you have a duty to enforce the law. That's the oath that you take. And he's refusing to do his job. So I would remove him. It would be the first thing that I would do my first day in office. And I will be standing right behind him clapping very loudly because it is outrageous that this is the district attorney of the biggest city in the country with skyrocketing crime, and you got a soft-on-crime DA who can't see which way is right and which way is left, that he's penalizing a bodega worker 
the guy was defending himself on videotape. It's like, what more do you want? And not going after this other woman who started the whole thing and had her boyfriend come, and then she's stabbing the guy, and she hasn't gotten charged with anything. Boy, is justice really bad in New York. And also, to add salt to the wound, I was just asking Fernando this. A deputy DA friend of mine was saying that, indeed, if Alvin Bragg was just charging while he's investigating, because that's what he's telling them, that's what he's telling, you know, he told Fernando, and that's what he's told with the people that he's met with, that he's looking into it and maybe eventually will drop the charges, but he wants to investigate it. It's only because, first of all, that he's even considering it is because there's so much public pressure on him. But the fact is, he immediately charged the guy, and so far he hasn't even had the cojones or the intellect to drop the charges yet. And uh, this deputy DA friend of mine, who knows the law very well, said, listen, if DA Bragg charged Jose Alba with second-degree murder and asked for bail, which he did, but was, quote, only investigating, he committed prosecutorial misconduct. So there may be some pretty serious issues with Alvin Bragg, well beyond bad judgment, because you never should bring a charge unless you can prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt. That is the standard for bringing a charge. Otherwise, you just randomly charge people and brandish them as murderers, and then, oh, okay, we'll clear them later. That's not the way things work. You're supposed to know you have a case, and then you charge somebody. So, boy, is Alvin Bragg, I think, a menace to New York and a menace to law and order. 1-800-848-9222. Let's continue with Tom. Um, Tom, with the law enforcement there in your family. Tom, go ahead. I know I had to cut you off, but I, I was asking you before the break about this woman who hasn't been charged. Apparently the woman got taken to the hospital, was treated like, you know, like like a little puppy. You know, let's bring her over here. Let's take care of her. And she hasn't been charged yet. And Alba gets second-degree murder thrown in Rikers. It's like it's like we're on a different planet. We're on Mars, Tom. I, I know, Rita. It, it, it just boggles my mind. I'm not sure... I, I'm in, actually, believe it or not, I'm in Florida, so I haven't been talking to my son about this. But I, died, I was dying to call in because I knew you were going to cover this because you always cover good stories. Uh, I don't know if he, he should have filed charges against her immediately the minute that he got stabbed from her. And this way it would have been on file and they would have had to probably charge her, at least pick her up. And then when this guy came in, those charges would have been already in effect. So it would have been a little bit better for him. But another good thing that he has in his favor is they were trying to say that, you know, he was cornered. And because he was cornered, he had no place to run. If he had a place where he could get away, it would have been even worse that he stabbed this kid. Because there's a statue that if you're defending yourself and you think your life is in danger, but if you have a chance to get away, you're supposed to use that getaway. So they would have charged him even worse. But like you said, there is no way. Like if, when my son arrested some, arrests somebody, they get the benefit of the doubt going across the board. Well, well, do we have a case? I don't know this and that. The guy's out on bail. This poor guy, before they even before they even knew the facts, threw him in jail. This is I. You know, I could I have the mayor's ear now and then. I'm trying to be the voice of reason, and I text him. I says if the if if the governor wants your support, you got to get something from her. If you want to be mayor again, you have to lower crime. If you don't lower crime, you're going to be a one-term mayor. 
And she's not taking guys like Alvin Brad and, 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 and making an example of him. If you're not tough on crime, how are you going to lower crime in the city? It's just impossible. And I say, you, she wants your support. You got to get something from her. And, you know, I just hope that when people go to the polls, they make the right decision because crime is, is you know, I'm down here in Florida in the Palm Harbor section in Pinellas County. Frida, it's a different world down here. Yeah, I, you know, it, my, it my is risk, totally my, different. And by the way, I don't think down there in Florida that the DAs there, um, and I know some of them down there, I can't think of a single one right now at this time that would just charge somebody, especially when you have a videotape, it's clear as day. I mean, it's not like there's a question and then decide later, okay, what is it? Is it uh was it a self-defense? Was it not? I mean, think about how many people, Tom, would be locked up in, in Rikers. Rikers, you'd need like 500 Rikers to lock people up if you suddenly charge them and decided later what to do, right? Your famous word, outrageous. Uh, you need another word for outrageous for this one. You really do. Yeah, it's beyond. You're right. You, you know, you hit a good point because that outrageous doesn't even cover it. It's like insanity. I keep saying it's like I, I use the expression. It's like Mars or the Twilight Zone because it's uh, it's like what planet in a time, any time, but especially at a time where crime is so bad and you have a videotape and that's still not good enough for this guy with his loony kazuni soft on crime policies. You, you know what? You know what? You gave me a flashback. Remember when those two cops were responding to gunshots and they they killed one of the guys and the father picked up the gun. He was shooting at the cops and they returned fire. There was crystal clear video that the cops returned fire and they killed somebody. And even on video where the, the guy picked up the gun and, and fired at the cops, they still, they went to the 4-6 precinct and protested that the cops shouldn't have killed the kid. After the kid picked up the gun, fired at the cops in the 4-6 precinct when my son was to work, and it, if those cops didn't have that crystal clear video, which was from a bodega, they would have been hung. It would have been they shot the kid, and, and that would have been it. They would have been hung without that video. And, and you know it's amazing? Video, and, and in this case, we have a video, and it's still not good enough for this soft-on-crime DA Alvin Bragg. That's what's just so shocking. Tom, you're great. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for you and your family's service uh, in law enforcement. It is so appreciated. you got to call back and enjoy sunny Florida. We're jealous here in New York because we're de- you don't have Alvin Bragg. <laughs> Get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, please, please. <laughs> Tom, thank you very much. Let's go to another Tom in Bayshore. Go ahead, Tom, your thoughts about this. How you doing? We're doing great. What do you think of Jose Alba, the whole case? Well, what I think is, you know, he should be prosecuted. What? And I'll tell you what. Well, what? You have to, you, there has to be equal force. I've been in enough fights to know. There has to be equal force. I can't take a knife and and a, a guy who's unarmed, I'm, uh, even though he's a criminal, I don't like those thugs anyhow, but he's got a knife, right? He doesn't, you know, you're supposed to use enough force to get the guy off here. Uh, All right, so Tom, hang on, what, hang on, Tom, Tom, I got, I, Tom, you, 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 I think are are completely wrong because you have a right to defend yourself and he's an older guy. I mean, this is the other thing too. He's an older guy. The guy as, as the other Tom in law enforcement who just called and said, 
you got to remember if you have you seen the video tom have you where he goes behind the counter and blocks him in and then kind of grabs him on the neck pushes him shoves him corners him and then grabs him like he's ready to like you know beat the heck out of him I mean, there is no way he's already pushed him and smacked him and, and grabbed his neck and pushed him down and he's cornered him. You know, he's in he's he's blocked in that little space, you know, behind a counter. So he's already come into his space. He said, I don't want any problems. The bodega worker said that. And he still does that. So you can't kill him with a knife. You gotta, but you could you could kill somebody with a blow. You know, if you're if you're an older sixty one year old guy, I mean you see, you know, Jose Alba who's Twice his age, and you know he's it's late at night. Uh, you know, elderly guy, um, and you know he's just kind of moving around there. And and I mean, you could punch somebody in the head. Is he supposed to be like on life support? And then he has a right to defend himself. That's too late, Tom. You know what? I think I think uh, I think somehow you got everybody riled up here, and you got. No, you know what? I get the facts, Tom. Let me just hang on one second, Tom. Let me just ask you a question. I got to ask you a question. You, you know, say you're working late at night and you're there by yourself. uh, You're, you know, in your 60s or so. And this guy comes screaming at you, pushing you, grabbing your neck, throwing you down in your chair, getting in your face. You're telling him, sir, you know, calm down, not even trying to figure out. And he's shouting, you know, the most vile, horrible things pushing you and dragging you and about to basically teach you a lesson. So at that moment, are you supposed to say, oh, good, I can't wait to get close to death and then I can defend myself? That's not the way it works. Don't don't tell me that you wouldn't try to fight back with whatever you had at that moment. Yeah, uh, with my hands, 66 a years 60, old, Tom, and I, and I still do that. Tom, by the way, and I, everybody's different on their age, but this looks like a kind of a frail 61-year-old guy. I haven't met Jose Alba, but just looking at him, he looks like kind of a frail guy. It's late at night. He's by himself, it looks like. Um, and, you know, and it, and it's scary. You see a young guy who's a lot bigger taller coming over to him and shouting and pushing and shoving and getting in his face. And, you know, we don't know. He might have just said, I'm about to kill you. You know, I don't know what he said to him the second or two before Alba took a knife out. But Alba clearly said that he felt his life was in danger. And if you look at the footage, you can understand why. You know, it's it's different. You know, I, I think any time, no matter what the size or the age, he would still have a right to defend given the circumstances. But... You sound very energetic. You sound like you're in good shape. I don't know how tall you are, but all these things weigh in. And if you look at this guy, he was clearly intimidating compared to Jose Alba. Like to me, you know, you can sit there and say, I'm going to fight with my, you know, with my, uh, you know, my hands. And I think everybody would like to hope that that would be a fair fight. But I don't think that would have been a fair fight with this elderly Jose Alba and this guy who clearly was out to get him. Um, and teach him a lesson for no reason, just because he was a hardworking guy and trying to do the right thing and trying to protect the bodega. I mean, it's out. It's outrageous. I, I hear what you're saying. And I'm sure Jose Alba, I'm sure everybody, despite the fact that this thug who is an ex-con on parole for assaulting a cop, it's not Mary Poppins coming in. Um, but despite all of that, I still think, uh, you know, Jose Alba came out the other day and said, oh, he feels bad. You know, he didn't want to do it, but he was protecting himself. I mean, he seems like he was genuinely a good guy who was thrust in a horrible situation and had to think about his own life. And everybody at that moment, you have a guy coming at you, 
you know, uh, not everybody can defend themselves with their with their fists like you could, you know. Um, but, you know, yeah, bravo if you're Bruce Lee, you know, bravo if you're Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris. I'm going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. How appropriate that we are playing the Twilight Zone song because that fits the way that Alvin Bragg delivers justice in New York. By the way, you know, I always love your tweets as well, so send me your thoughts on at Rita Cosby. Uh, Sal writes in, my message to Alvin Bragg is to stop taking other people's meds. Good line, Sal. Clear your head of woke and racial cobwebs and enforce the law. Stop being a slip-and-fall lawyer and start being a responsible and legitimate district attorney. Bravo, Sal. I agree. It is shocking. And the fact he still has a job today is just stunning. This guy is the wrong person at the wrong time in the wrong great, great city in the world, New York, and so many other big cities across this country. We're all dealing with it. These soft on crime DAs have got to go. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil on line one. Phil, your thoughts about Jose Alba. Well, hi, Rita. Listen, uh, this whole thing, you know, it takes a tragic situation to open the eyes of the public and everybody's good and ah, now how this poor bodega guy, this and that. But, you know, the ultimate thing here is that it's sad, but in a way it's we're grateful that it happened because now it stabs, it stabs, you know, uh, what's his name, right in the face, you know, uh, Alvin Bragg. Now, the point is what's interesting is that that bodega owner had a technical right under the U.S. Constitution to defend himself, and and it says in the Second Amendment that the use of arms, and it can't be infringed upon, arms are defined by the Supreme Court as guns, knives, or swords. How's that one? Very good. And you heard what the last caller, Tom, was saying. Oh, I would have punched him, and that would have been okay. You know, if you look at the video, and I know um, I know you're a military guy, Phil, which I love, um, and I know if you've seen the video, this Jose Alba, I've never met him, but he looks kind of like, you know, like a, a frail elderly guy. And you clearly see that this guy who's coming in is, as we know, is a lot younger, just even by age. He's an ex-con. He's bigger, taller. Apparently, he was saying vile things. You see him pushing him, getting into the corner. He's definitely getting physical with him. I mean... You know, I think it's unrealistic for people to say, oh, well, he should have just punched him back, like as if that would have led, that could have led to Alba being killed immediately, you know? That would have infuriated, that probably would have infuriated the guy and said, how dare you hit me back? Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, exactly. He was in a no-win situation. It was such a heartbreaking situation. Phil, thank you very much. I always love your calls and always appreciate your great service to our country. Everybody, we're going to continue with your calls also later on in the show after the break, so stick with us. But we're going to go quickly overseas in the next hour because President Biden is in the Mideast and we have a big treat. President Trump's former Mideast envoy, the guy who played a central role in brokering with President Trump the Abraham Accords, is going to be joining us to talk about Biden's historic visit. Will it be any success? 
feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Cause your smelling sweet. And President Biden is now on his first trip to the Middle East as president. He arrived in Israel a few hours ago. And soon after Israel, he's going to go to Saudi, where even though he says he's not going to do this, you know he is going to be begging for oil uh, because in part, obviously, the dismal policy that he created and much with our energy sector in the United States And amid some really tanking domestic poll numbers where even Democrats are saying that they do not want him to run again in 2024. So as he is facing lots of crises here domestically, he is now overseas and in Israel, which is such a key and important ally to the United States. And as soon as the president touched down He made that point there in Israel. Take a listen. This is what he said a few hours ago. Every chance to return to this great country where the ancient roots of the Jewish people date back to biblical times is a blessing because the connection between the Israeli people and the American people is bone deep. It's bone deep. Generation after generation, that connection grows. We invest in each other. We dream together. And then he also said that he believes the ties with Israel are really at astounding points, higher than they've ever been before. A lot of people are going, "Ah, I'm not sure about that. But this is what the president had to say a little bit ago. And now as president, I'm proud to say that our relationship with the state of Israel is deeper and stronger, in my view, than it's ever been. And with this visit, we're strengthening our connections even further. We have reaffirmed the unshakable commitment of the United States to Israel's security, including partnering with Israel on the most cutting-edge defense systems in the world. And then in an interview with Israeli television in typical Biden form, he could not help but try to take a swipe at his predecessor, Because, of course, Iran is a huge, huge security threat, not just to Israel, but to the world. And this is what President Biden had to say a little bit ago. The only thing worse than the Iran that exists now is Iran with nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. And if we can return to the deal and hold them tight, I think it was a gigantic mistake for the last president to get out of the deal. They're closer to a nuclear weapon now than they were before. It doesn't have anything to do with... uh, whether or not the, uh, um, the Quds Force is uh, going to stop or they're going to mm-hmm. continue to be engaged in activities, we can act against them mm-hmm. and still have a deal where they curtail their nuclear program. Mm-hmm. And so I still think it makes sense. We've laid out on the table. We've made the deal. We've offered it. And it's up to Iran now. Well, a lot of people are taking issue with the administration renegotiating this Iran deal. And, of course, this comes as reports of Iran supplying Russia with drones, armed drones, that will be used to attack civilians in Ukraine. Um, So Iran is a huge, huge issue. And joining us now to talk about all of this during the president's historic visit 
is Jason Greenblatt. He is a great author. He was appointed, by the way, by President Trump in 2017 as an assistant to the president and special representative for international negotiations in this role as the White House special envoy under President Trump to the Middle East. He served as one of the chief architects of the Peace to Prosperity Plan between Israel and the Palestinians and between Israel and its Arab neighbors. He was a key player in building the foundation for the very historic Abraham Accords, of course, which involved Israel and the UAE and the Kingdom of Bahrain, Sudan, and also the Kingdom of Morocco, normalizing relations with Israel. That was a huge huge success on the part of the Trump administration. And one of the folks who was central to it all is Jason Greenblatt, who is a new book, which is coming out next week. You got to get it now. It is so powerful. It's called In the Path of Abraham, How Donald Trump Made Peace in the Middle East and How to Stop Joe Biden from Unmaking It. And Jason, thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad to have you here on the Rita Cosby Show. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. You know, Jason, I'm so thrilled to have you here at such an, a pivotal and important time. And I love the subtitle of your book saying how Donald Trump made peace and how to stop Biden from unmaking it. Um, how concerned, I guess, or what are your thoughts with President Biden now in Israel? And do you think anything will get accomplished during this visit for him? Well, until this trip, I was very concerned. I mean, you know, we talk about Iran, for example, and you played an important clip there. We are so weak when it comes to Iran. We're not even negotiating directly with Iran. We're relying on Europeans to do our negotiations. Europeans don't have the same interests as America when it comes to Iran. We should be ditching the Europeans. President Biden should be sitting down with Israel and each of its Arab neighbors works solely with them. And that remains a very, very heavy concern. He did say in the interview that you had played, there was a later clip where he said he would use force, but only as a last resort. What does that mean? Look, I've been a diplomat. I was a diplomat for three years. I was a lawyer for 25 years. Let's have some precision. So I am very, very concerned for the region. What do you think also the world perception of Joe Biden is now, too? Because when you're dealing with characters like Iran and you know the dynamics all too well, um, there are there's just such a there's so many tricky paths uh, with them. And it's a very tenuous time. Clearly, they're doing deals with Russia. We also know that Russia wasn't Russia also kind of uh, negotiating for us incredibly uh, with Iran at one point, too, as well, which is just astounding as we were you know battling them, of course, with the, what's going on in Ukraine. But when you look at all these dynamics right now, and a lot of people on the international front were very disappointed with the way President Biden pulled out of Afghanistan. And a lot of people around the world said that doesn't portray strength to other people in the region that may wish to do us harm, uh, particularly like in Iran or others. How do people like Iran and others perceive this president? Great question. Very weak is the short answer. Starting with Afghanistan, as you said, all the way to now with low poll numbers, America has so many challenges right now, and they see him as very weak. So he's running over to the Middle East trying to you know, get some political wins, which, by the way, if he gets something, for example, with Saudi Arabia, some sort of overflight rights, as they're talking about, whatever the Saudis are willing to give, good for him, good for him for building on what President Trump had done. But we are definitely looking at a president who is not coming with a, you know, the full strength that would have been good for a president to go to in a very volatile and dangerous region. 
What about the situation, of course, with the Israelis and the Palestinians? I know he's going to meet with uh, Mahmoud Abbas on Friday, and he's talking about giving us like $100 million uh, for hospital needs there um, to Palestinian hospitals in East Jerusalem. Do you think that there's any movement there, and is Joe Biden the guy to do it? I think it's a huge mistake. What people have to understand, and I, I don't want to you know, take away health care from Palestinians who deserve it, but the reason there's no money for those hospitals is because the Palestinian Authority misuses the money that it gets in taxes and from other countries who donate to it, and they use it to pay terrorists. They encourage Palestinians to harm and kill Israelis. If they didn't use those large sums of money, they would have money to pay for the hospital bills. Money is fungible. So he's taking U.S. taxpayer money, and instead of using it back in our country, where we also need it, you know, look what's happening in our country. And he's giving it to Palestinians ostensibly to build a relationship back with the Palestinian Authority. But what does that do for the United States? The Palestinian Authority is not ready to make peace with Israel. And uh, I think it's a mistake. He's sort of falling into the same traps of the past. Yeah, no, it certainly seems so. And just as you said, at America and the world's expense. And over there, as you know, uh, they understand strength. I want to talk um, also about your book, uh, In the Path of Abraham. And again, the subtitle, How Donald Trump Made Peace in the Middle East and How to Stop Joe Biden from Unmaking It. Talk about um, you were there through all of this process and especially building the foundation for the really incredible Abraham Accords. I remember when the news broke uh, first, of course, with the deal with the UAE and Bahrain, and we saw the leaders there at the White House. I mean, that was just a jaw-dropping, historic moment. I followed the Middle East closely, spent a lot of time over the Middle East. And when I was watching that, I mean, that was an incredible moment. What was that like to go through that? I know you share about it in your book. Oh, it was an incredible dream. You know, when we started in 2017, everybody thought we were crazy. And, of course, we also did want to try to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But when it was clear that that was not going to happen, we didn't give up. We said the Palestinians should not have a veto card over Israel's peace with its Arab neighbors. And we had very courageous leaders in the Arab countries who were willing to take a chance and do it, and it's quite amazing. And I have to just say, I'm in Seoul, Korea now for a conference, and the level of interest in the Abraham Accords is tremendous. They understand it now. You know, they have their own issues, obviously, with North Korea, but the symbolic, it's not, it's beyond, it's beyond the actuality. The symbolism of it to other countries is so important. Yeah, it is. And speaking of that, um, there's been talk about, you know, a normalization of relations with Israel and Saudi. Um, do you see that coming or anything, you know, Abraham Accord-like there? I don't see it yet. Look, I think we have to respect Saudi Arabia and Qatar and other countries who I would say are not yet signatories to the Abraham Accords. I do think it's inevitable. I think we have to understand that they have different societies, decades of a different kind of education. They all have dreams and big visions and changing their society in so many positive ways. And we have to let them do it in their time. You know, Qatar, for example, has already had relations with Israel. It's gone through its ups and downs, but they had relations with Israel before the Abraham Accords ever was thought of. Saudi Arabia definitely has an interest. They are all supportive of the Palestinian people. So I think we need to be patient with them, build bridges where we can. Again, if Joe Biden has success going there and gets some concession from Saudi Arabia to normalize even in a small way with Israel, I think that's terrific and it should be encouraged and Saudi Arabia should be thanked. But I think we should be patient because the more we're patient and the more we try to build bridges, 
society-wise, business people-wise, diplomacy-wise, eventually we will get there. And finally, I want to ask you, Jason, just personally to go on this journey uh, with the Abraham Accords and that you share in the book. Um, what can people learn from the book and also your experiences? So first they can learn the truth. There's a lot of myths going around about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You know, people think that, oh, if only people would just sign that so-called two-state solution and everybody would sing and dance and kumbaya and peace would break out all across the world. It's just not true. There's things such as, you know, the Palestinians always claim that East Jerusalem belongs to them. Even worse, they talk about Judaizing Jerusalem as if there's no Jewish history there. There are so many things that people take for granted that are just not true. So there's a lot of myth-busting. There's a lot of um, behind-the-scenes. I don't give away secrets. Uh, you know, when leaders talk to me, I, know, I don't say, well, this person said that. But I talk about the mentality, the, the psychology, everything, all the conversations that we went through to eventually get to the Abraham Accords. So anybody who's interested in the Middle East, whether you're an Israel supporter, you want to understand Saudi Arabia, you want to understand why the diplomacy with Israeli-Palestinian peace has not worked and where the Palestinian leadership is. It's a lot of material in this book. Wow. Well, bravo, bravo, bravo. And I'm jealous that you were on the front lines of such an incredible moment in history. Um, it, it was really one of the most remarkable feats, I think, in foreign policy and something that will last, I hope, for generations and generations to come. And again, the book is called In the Path of Abraham, How Donald Trump Made Peace in the Middle East and How to Stop Joe Biden from Unmaking It uh, by one of the great uh, peace builders and the former Mideast special envoy under President Trump, Jason Greenblatt. Jason, thank you very much for calling us from overseas, too. Great to have you here on the show. Thanks for having me as a guest. Take care. Thank you very, very much. Thanks so much. And everybody, when we come back, we'll talk about Mideast policy, we'll talk about Joe Biden, and we'll also continue our calls uh, talking about Jose Alba and so much more here on The Rita Cosby Show. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And we are continuing now here on the Rita Cosby Show, talking, of course, about President Biden and his visit to Israel. We'll also continue with your calls about Jose Alba, two big stories taking place. And also, we were just talking to Jason Greenblatt, who was right there on the front lines dealing with the Abraham Accords and talking about what that was like dealing with Israel and also trying to keep Iran in line. Uh, and so far, it looks like, you know, Joe Biden's almost willing to give away the kitchen sink over there. And that is a huge, huge concern. What a difference in, you know, handling cases and style compared to the way President Trump was when Jason Greenblatt was working very, very closely with him. And think about, you know, all the different things that were happening at that time with the deals with the Abraham Accords. Um, and that's one of those things that's interesting because Joe Biden seems like anything that has to do with President Trump, he's like anti-Trump, anti-this, anti-that. He won't do anything that is positive to Trump. Um, and yet he hasn't really gone after the Abraham Accords. Can How can he go after the Abraham Accords? Because it's been such one of those historic moments with Israel and its Arab partners uh, coming together 
I mean, that was an amazing moment when I watched that at the White House. And, of course, it continued to other countries beyond that, then to Sudan and then to Morocco and then to all these others. It was a pretty, pretty incredible moment. And how cool for Jason Greenblatt, who was just here on the show, talking about what that was like and being with him every step of the way with President Trump at the time. And now if you look at what's going on in the United States, President Biden's numbers are sinking like a tank. And unfortunately, inflation's going the other way. 9.1% inflation is the rate. It just came out today. It is a 41-year high in inflation. The last time that it was at 9.1%, and everybody, we feel it. You know, when you go to the grocery store, you go anywhere shopping, uh, you go buy an airline ticket. Uh, The last time it was like this was November 1981. Uh, That was when uh, Reagan was there and... Dealing with just skyrocketing inflation. I think it was Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, I think, around that time, too. Um, So there's a lot you can think about back then. There's been a lot of Harrison Ford movies since then. (laughs) So it's been a long time. So Biden can say, gosh, how lucky I've hit this huge record. And unfortunately, it's 9.1%. And some of the poll numbers, too, are just showing that even Democrats don't want him to run. There was a brand new... Uh, posting that just came out a few hours ago with the progressive group. They launched, it's a don't run Joe effort. Don't run Joe effort. They endorsed him, by the way, last time when he was running for president. But now they have launched this don't run Joe. It is a very far left group, progressive group. It has 1.2 million followers. So they have a good, decent group behind them. And this comes as New York Times polls have been coming out that just show overwhelmingly, Democrats themselves do not want him to run. And again, this is from the New York Times. This is not like a conservative media. This is the New York Times saying that Democrats, when they are asked, and particularly young Democrats, some of them under 20 percent are saying that they do not want him to run. Just 18 percent of Americans say that he should run for reelection in 2024. Boy, are those dismal dismal numbers. And that's why you just heard from Jason Greenblatt. And I agree with Jason. uh, not very optimistic that anything big will be accomplished. I would like it to be accomplished over there in the Middle East, but not a lot of optimism that anything big's going to happen. Let's go to Vinny from Long Island on line five. Vinny, your thoughts about uh, what we've just been talking about with Joe Biden's visit over there. I just wanted to say uh, I was on hold. I initially called about the bodega story. And I was on hold for a while. And uh, well, now now you're now you're now you're red hot, Vin. Now you're red hot about uh, Israel. I know I got a finite amount of time, so I'm going to cram it in. I'm going to tell you a quick story about the bodega owner. As a rookie cop, as a foot post on 42nd Street, I'm retired 20 years. Before Giuliani cleaned it up, one of my first big things was a store owner who was a very religious Sikh man who I. Met his family. It was during, you know, you got to know the people on your footpost. And uh, he got held up, shot at during a robbery. Bullet missed him. He shot and returned fire with a small 22 rifle and, you know, critically wounded the guy robbing him. And I remember the sergeant showing up saying, you're under arrest. We had to arrest the store owner because city ordinances no long barreled weapons. But that was that was not the case here, Vinny. Vinny, real quick, just to get to the point. 
in this case, you you know that he stabbed him with a knife, and it was self-defense. You see it in the video. And I'll go back to the two Toms. First Tom was right. Legally, the cliff notes are you, you have to run away and not defend yourself, New York State. He had nowhere to run. That was the that was the problem. Hey, Ben, Ben, did you see it, though? He had nowhere to run. That was the problem because the guy came behind the counter. And if you know the space behind the counter, you see that there's nowhere for the guy to go. He was trying to kind of run away from him. And that's when it looks like everything sort of escalated. Ben, thanks so very much. Good to have you call. And everybody, we're going to continue your calls talking about this after the break. What are your thoughts about the bodega case or if you want to talk about the middle east too as well a big night here on the rita cosby show talking about a lot of big topics and of course the bodega guy since we were just talking with him about that with larry there that basically guess what he is still charged and he's under house arrest for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great military and their families, tonight a big shout out for Sherman, Texas, because after two years of delays due to the COVID 19 pandemic, veteran Ray Furman was officially named a hometown hero. For all of his years of different selfless services that he's performed both for his country and his community. Furman turned 97 years old last week and he started his military service when he joined the then U.S. Army Air Corps and later transitioned to the U.S. Air Force when it became a separate branch in 1947. During his two decades in the armed services, Furman participated in the Korean War and also the Berlin occupation as well. And during the occupation, he was part of the Berlin airlift and transported supplies to the city following the Russian blockades back in 1949. He also participated in Operation Little Vittles, a related effort to drop transport and also drop candy to the children of Berlin during the blockade. What a beautiful story and how great to see this 97-year-old veteran, Ray Furman, honored as a hometown hero. And he's also a great American hero. And we love shining a light on him here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about President Biden and his screwy screwy poll numbers, which are not doing well. And I want to continue talking about Mateo, but I got to play this for you, um, Frenetta Mateo and the bodega and all that stuff. Uh, but I want to play this for you first because Joe Biden was asked uh, before he left for Israel. We were just talking to to Jason Greenblatt, who was one of the envoys and dealing with all of that. And Joe Biden was asked, what do you make of these bad poll numbers? Now, Democrats are getting hit all over the place. Bad inflation, bad crime numbers, 
uh, soft on crime. I mean, there are just so many issues. The border, it's going on and on and on. And so he was asked, what do you make of these terrible numbers uh, which show that basically less than 20 percent of Americans want him to run again? And this is what he had to say. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two-thirds say they don't. Read the poll. Read the poll, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. 92% said that they would vote. They were Democratic voters if he was up against Trump. So, of course, they're going to vote for basically anybody who was against Trump. You could put like a, you know, a, you know, a zombie there and they would vote. But this is what Mark Thiessen had to say responding to that comment, because it's just so crazy. I agree with Mark. Biden said, read the polls, Jack. I read the polls and they're saying the Democrats are telling him hit the road, Jack. <laughs> so that's what's happening. I mean, look, the, the, the poll numbers you cited are absolutely correct. Uh, there was a Harvard Harris poll shows 71 percent of Americans don't want him to run for another term. And only 30 percent of Democrats would vote for him in a Democratic primary. It's not surprising that. 92% of Democrats would vote for, vote for him in a rematch with Trump. That's not because they love Joe Biden. It's because they hate Trump. Yeah, it's just because they don't like Trump. So, of course, they're going to pick anybody. It is so crazy. And one of the biggest issues that people are dealing with, not only inflation, which, again, today hit skyrocketing historic numbers, 9.1%, but this also at a time where crime is skyrocketing in so many New York cities. And in so many cities across America, take a listen. This is New York gubernatorial candidate, now the gubernatorial GOP nominee, Lee Zeldin, talking about what a big deal that's going to be on the ballot in November. New Yorkers across all walks of life are talking about crime and public safety as their number one issue right now. We lead the entire country in population loss. There are multiple reasons why crime and public safety get cited. Opportunity in the economy certainly get discussed as well. And you look at other states where you might feel freer. Now, in this case, as you just point out, the Jose Alba, you have somebody who is innocent. He gets slapped with a murder charge. You point out that he gets stabbed. The person who stabs him doesn't get charged with anything. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's talking about that woman doesn't get charged with a thing. It's a soft on crime DA and this policy of like not appreciating the victims and going soft on the repeat offenders, which they typically are. And they certainly were in this case of the bodega case. That is outrageous. And that's why it is so important that people get out to vote in November. And I think a lot of the soft on crime approach and and just skyrocketing crime is going to hurt the Democratic Party, not just Joe Biden, but so many people in the Democratic Party, because Americans have had enough. They want law and order. Here's a little bit more of Lee Zeldin talking about that. So New Yorkers talking about crime and public safety, they see a district attorney refusing to enforce the law. They have a governor saying, cut him some slack. He just got there. He's doing his job, not holding him accountable. And then you have these laws that are on the books, like cashless bail and more, and a push to go even further with one-party rule up in Albany. People feel less safe on the streets and they feel like they have to go elsewhere to be able to live a life where their money goes further, they feel safer, they live life freer. And how sad is that, that they are fleeing big cities across America because they don't feel that the DAs, who are not supposed to be defense attorneys, they're supposed to be prosecutors, don't have their back. Let's go to your calls, everybody. one 800 
Uh, let's go to Max on line four. Max, your thoughts. Hi, how are you? I'm good. What do you uh, think? I I think that uh, if this Mr. Alba goes to a grand jury, they're going to not indict him. And, I agree. You know, I think that would be his his best bet is to if he if uh, this uh, Mr. Mateo gets him a competent uh, attorney and they go before a grand jury, he will not be indicted. What about, though, uh, even better, if Alvin Bragg tomorrow morning wakes up and say, I'm going to drop the charges and give Alba an apology and give New York an apology? He's, he's a phony. He's a phony. He likes to tell everybody how he's from Harlem. He's He grew up on what's called Strivers Road, which is like as far removed from Harlem as anything else. It's, uh, you know, I mean, he's. That's his uh, his whole campaign is the hatred of police. Well, that's sad. So you don't believe he's even going to drop charges. Do you think he's like playing games no. with some of these people that he's met with and said he'd consider it? Do you think that's just kind of like, well, I'll consider it, but I'm still going forward, you know? I mean, he's, he's just, he's just uh, you know, kind of, you know, what they call stroking him. Yeah. No, uh, I wonder, too. Just, uh, Blowing smoke. <laughs> yep. exactly. I yeah. agree. Max, thank you very much. Great call. Let's go to Russ. Line two. Russ, your thoughts about the Jose Alba case? Hey, Rita, I see something different with that video. I see uh, the guy pushing Jose Alba into a corner, and then he was going to pummel him, you know, and he was moving from side to side. You know, I've been in a few fights, and I think that Austin... Simon was going to pummel him, and they thought, hey, this guy's an old guy. So he started, he, he took him by the neck and was going to march him out to apologize to the kid or the wife. And, uh, you know, Jose Alba took that knife and stabbed him. Wait, so, wait, know, Russ, d- wait, do you honestly think that that guy was going to say, oh, come on over and let's let me be the uh, peace negotiator that that guy was that Austin Simon, the guy who, by the way, was out on parole for assaulting a cop, incidentally. Um, so this is not like some nice guy. If he doesn't hesitate hitting a cop, you think he's going to hesitate, you know, hitting an old guy even more than he already was that we saw. I, I don't think there was any negotiating there. It didn't well, sound out, like it. Out on parole is different than facing charges. If he was going to pump out on parole I- means you did it. And you right. and you're now out because you did it. So this okay. is not Mary Poppins, Russ. But what I saw the guy doing is he was rethinking pun, pun, punching him out, and he was leading him out the door. Jose, Jose Alba should have kept that door closed. I don't want to b- blame him, but a grand jury will decide. And I want to ask you: Is Bragg trying to be a talk radio uh, a broadcaster? Because I think it's a rush to judgment, Rita. You know, I'll let him do his job. Oh, Russ, hang on. Don't you dare leave yet because you have some interesting points. But I take issue with a number of them. Oh, look, Russ hung up. It's called chicken, chicken, chicken. But anyway, uh, Russ, call back if you have any guts, but call back. But I think Russ, you know, Russ brings up some points that I think the DA is looking at. I, I agree. I think the DA is looking at was the door open, closed? Was it all these things? Did he, was he, you know, who knows? I bet you that woman who was stabbing Jose Alba that you see in the video, uh, I bet you she's going to say, oh, he just wanted to talk to him and get a glass of uh, sugar, you know, a cup of sugar. That's all. He wanted to be a kind neighbor or something. You know, I can't wait to see, right? She'll show up in court, you know, with, uh, you know, with the suit 
and and just sit there and you know somehow her her gun her knife won't be available at that moment you know i have no idea the knife showed up in my hand and how it lodged into him i just can't imagine you know but but i think your points are interesting russ because i do think there's some of the same things that the soft on crime da is thinking but i think anybody you know you you can't blame the guy because the door was open he clearly only had one way to go in or out. And by the way, you know, people kind of come in and out of the bodegas just because he didn't have the door closed. If there was a door that was supposed to close, I don't know the setup there, but if there was a door that was even supposed to close, you know, you can't blame somebody because they didn't close a door or what, that they deserved to be attacked and almost killed and they had to defend themselves. So there's a lot of questions there, but I think some of the same ones are ones that the DA's thinking, too. So I appreciate the call there. Uh, let's go to Tony, line four. Tony, your thoughts. Yes, hi. How you doing? I'm good, Tony. How you doing? Oh, yeah, just something real quick. Um, the, you know, with, with Jose Alba, you know, the the, the issue is that, uh, and, and I'm, he, had, he had no egress. He had nowhere to go. And yeah, he's in a corner. He was blocked in. Exactly. And, you know, I hear the calls coming in. He should have had the door closed that, you know, you know, the the issue is that he went over that counter or behind the counter or in the workspace that he was at. And he had no way of going anywhere. He he trapped him. He grabbed him. And once he grabbed him, uh, Jose Alba in his he is it's not up to him to decide to figure out what this guy's going to do to him when he pulls him out. That's not, that's not for him to decide. Oh, he might talk to me. He might punch me. No, the guy was going to, was going to harm him, was going to really hurt him. And, you know, and he, and he defended himself, you know, it wasn't a gun. It wasn't a long barrel gun and he didn't shoot him. You know, he defended himself. And, and, and ironically, funny how, you know, uh, she stabs him and nothing happens to her. So I think, I think, I think, uh, you know, our district attorney uh, really, really needs to really look at this. And I think overall it's going to come out okay for him, especially being that the mayor also, uh, uh, you know, was vocal about it. Not to that extent, but he did say something. Yeah, exactly. So, no, thank goodness right, he right. did. And he also said, yes. by the way, he also questioned why the woman hasn't been charged. Uh, mayor Eric Adams did that too as well, which to his credit is an obvious question too as well. Uh, Tony, great call. Thank you very very much. Um, let's go to Richard in Connecticut. Go ahead, Richard. Your thoughts. Line seven. I, I, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. This is a classic case of self-defense. One, the man was being attacked. Of course, the guy's bigger, as you stated. He's younger. His punch might have more damaging blow to the to the man. Number two, he also was being attacked by the woman. She, he, she was stabbed him. They in in the, in this case of you know under the circumstances when adrenaline is flowing and your life is threatened, who have time to be thinking about oh, oh let me get you know do whatever I can just to um you know what I mean just to keep things calm. But somebody saying that you use excessive force. Yes, can you believe that? Yes, his life was threatened. So. For people to be saying that he need to use less force just to enough just to keep this guy from killing him. And we don't even know if he if he would have even come out alive if he didn't defend himself. 
by the way, if you look at the way the guy was approaching him and just angry and came back and was pushing him and shoving him and grabbing him, I, I think there's a good chance that if Jose Alba did not do that, that he would not be alive today. You know, I mean, if you look at it, what what are you supposed to? I use the expression. I agree with you, Richard, because what do you what is he supposed to do? Like be in a stretcher. And then at that point, he feels like he can try to do what he can to defend himself. I mean, it's too late. And and Rita, what this is also telling us that it's letting it's given this wrong message that the criminals have all the rights while the law abiding citizens were at the mercies of criminals. And then after the act, then, you, you know, you're either you're dead or you're injured, and then police, you have to wait for police to come or quickly they'll get there. It's, it's crazy. The message that's being sent by the district attorney, it, it is creating an unsafe environment for law-abiding citizens. And it's time that people start speaking up, and it's time that we need to get these type of data out of office because there are two um, virtue signaling. And it's not about the law. It's about an ideology. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because what other person would watch that videotape and suddenly charge him, not charge her? Uh, It is clearly the mindset and the fact that there even needs to be some discussion about it. And today, again, Jose Alba's on house arrest. He would still be in Rikers if it wasn't getting all this attention and all the headlines and all the pressure on the D.A., And he's saying he would consider dropping charges. It's not a guarantee. And the fact he's even given him charges and not given her charges, he's uh, there's word that the prosecutors in his office believe. And again, they think the same way as this loony kazoony brag that she was defending herself. So she was defending herself as she was attacking Alba, who wasn't attacking her, um, but her boyfriend who was assaulting and attacking Jose Alba. He's Mary Poppins, and Jose Alba is the bad guy. I mean, does this make any sense? It, it is It is so crazy. Richard, thank you very much for the call. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. A few of you have called and said that you thought Jose Alba Maybe he shouldn't have tried to defend himself, that maybe he should have just tried to punch him. He's a 61-year-old guy. The other one's this big ex-con who came into his space. I totally disagree, but I want to hear your thoughts. Are you just surprised that some of you think that? 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we're continuing your calls on the Rita Cosby show talking about the Jose Alba case. Don't you think that he had the right to self-defense? And why is the DA dragging his feet? He's meeting with all these people saying, well, I may drop charges. So why would you press charges against somebody if there's a chance maybe you think you don't even have enough to hold the case? That's not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to figure out the case and then press charges. But he just went ahead, and I'm not sure he's ever going to drop the charges. And if he ever does, he needs to apologize to Jose Alba. And what about the other woman who was stabbing Alba? She's walking free, no charges yet. 
888-900-9222. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hills on Line 5. Hey, Stan. Hey, good evening and good morning. You know what? I got a big surprise for you. She ain't going to get charged, and here it is. She's going to get a lawyer and do a civil suit against Alp for, ah, for damages. That's although although that's I'm very you, but that's yet, where, Stan, where that's hard. But that's a great point, actually. By the way, uh, but it's hard when it's a public official to go after them. But maybe there's some uh, misconduct, prosecutorial misconduct. No, no not him. He's going to go. No, no. She, the woman who who got off the the the, the girlfriend, she's going to go after Alba for a civil suit. Oh, so you, oh, I was I was thinking you were saying Alba's no, no, going to no, go no. after. I was like, she'll, Bravo, she'll Stan. Put, go after him, Alba. Oh and, you my know, I'm going to sue you a civil suit for damage. I mean, if she's got, she'll get the gall to do it. I'm telling you, forget the. the oh, Stan, uh, Stan. By the way, I love you because you just said tonight. She would have the gall because it would take a lot of gall. I could have used another word, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we no, know what she you will mean. do that. I think she would. Oh my god! And now, Stan, let me just ask you: in this crazy, deranged world that we're living in right Are we now, deranged? These, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you and I, maybe no, but Wait but, but Bragg is right. Yeah. Um, but do you think? First off. I I actually think, sadly, I think you're right. I can see her trying to do whatever she can. Absolutely, to get um, money. Yeah. yeah, but boy, if somebody ever gave her a dime, I, th- then I would I'd lose all faith in, in justice. If she gets off, she'll sue uh, him. She'll get a I said, why shouldn't I? She killed my boyfriend. I'm going to sue uh, him. Not the other Go after him, yeah. By absolutely. the way, I hope you think that that's a screwy move. It's not the right move. I hope it's, you in agree. The, in the Twilight Zone world, that's what's <laughs> going to happen. You got oh, it. Oh, Stan, Stan, I, I, sadly, I can see that happening. Stan, I love <laughs> you. Good night. Thank you, my friend. Great to hear from you. Um, let's go to Larry in Brooklyn, Line Eight. Go ahead, Larry. Can you believe that? I actually, by the way, what Stan said, I don't rule out. I bet you this woman might even think of doing that, Larry. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why this woman was not charged. I looked up the law. I'm an attorney. I'm not a criminal attorney, but I looked up the law. Okay, I didn't realize yesterday when I commented the truth was staring me right in the face. This woman is an accomplice. She fits the definition of an accomplice. She had the knife and she gave him the idea to do it, and she showed up. Also, that she's not merely an accessory. She's an accomplice. Now, the reason she was not charged is because if she's an accomplice. That means that there is a knife on the scene, okay? So that means he has he has more of a justification than you even know in the from the video itself to defend himself. So what Bragg did was he purposely didn't charge her. And by the way, it's not only Bragg; it's those black racist cops that came in there right after the scene. They did; they didn't. They chose not to arrest her. They did exactly Bragg's agenda, and he's fulfilling it because by not charging her. That means there's no accomplice, and it's just him against the thug when there was no weapon, but there was a weapon, and she took it out, and she used it. Well, okay? that now, but let me ask you, based on that, Larry, and that's a very interesting point, um, based on that, do you think at some point she'll be charged, or you think they're going to turn a blind eye on considering charges against her? No, they already set this racist uh, plot in motion. And don't let the cops off the hook. They made the charges, and he followed through. But by the way, when he screwed up on the bail, that he can't back out of that prosecutorial indiscretion. But, that but, you but Larry, out Larry, that's what I was hitting on. And, Larry, thank you so much. You made, you made some very 
interesting points tonight. So, Larry, thank you, because he shouldn't go after on a fishing expedition and say, well, I'm going to charge someone now and then try to prove them guilty or try to have it stick later. That's not the way justice works. And let's get Jose Alba free. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 